Hello, folks, and welcome to the Knickknack Podcast, Season 11, Episode 22, Truth and Suicide. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the truth and how the truth is relative, depending on your perception and a bunch of different perspectives. And um, what your truth is can drastically affect who you are and what you do. And uh, that applies particularly to suicide and uh, how we think about that and perceive it as a society. So, uh, I want to talk about that. Grab your favorite beverage, grab your favorite tobacco product, and I'll be right back. So, as I was mentioning, truth depends greatly on perception, how you perceive something, how it is told to you, um, I, you know, and what brings, what comes to mind when I think about truth is a book like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, uh, when you kind of have an associative personality disorder described within the text, you have this comp, uh, battle going on throughout the text between the narrator and, uh, you know, the main guy. They're two separate entities fighting for the same body, and you're trying to figure out, well, who's going to win over? Um, I won't reveal the end of that book because it's a worthwhile read, um, but, uh, you know, as you're reading that book, you're kind of wondering in your head, well, who's telling the truth? Is this the narrator that's telling the truth? Or is it the guy himself that's telling the truth? And the truth, again, depends on your circumstances. Um, What you know, what you don't know, what you're told, where you're getting the information that you're told. Um, It really is hard to define and objectify. Um, And a lot of the social sciences uh, really try and generalize and get at an objective truth as any good science will try and do. The problem is it's very easy to tell that gravity is the truth of the universe, um, you know, by smart mental calculations and just by the fact that if you drop an apple it falls to the ground because the earth has gravity. Um, that's a very simple objective truth to quantify and measure and study um but the truth of somebody's psychology or somebody's personality or somebody's uh, perceptions are really hard to get at and the tools that psychology uses interviews uh you know surveys uh experiments all these things um are very subjective and it makes it Uh, Not a very good science, in my humble opinion. Um, I do think that we need to push and we need to try and understand the truth of human beings. And I think that there are a lot of merits to the way way psychology and philosophy and sociology um, and history and social science try and attack this. Um, But I don't think they really fit within the terms, the strict definition of a science. You can't measure somebody's personality the way you can measure mass. Um, It just doesn't work that way. So it makes it a very interesting field to study. Um, And I had this um, conversation and the subsequent fallout with a friend a number of years ago 
uh, which you can hear a lot about um, in a previous episode. I'll edit this out later, but um, it came down to my subjective opinion that, uh, you know, you share more if you're sharing something in audio or video form than if you share something in written form. Um, that is my truth. I believe that to be true because I feel like I bear more of my soul uh, talking than I do when I write something. Um, that's true for me. doesn't mean it's true for anybody else. It depends on uh, who they are and what circumstances they're in, etc. Um, but I held fast to this belief so tightly that it cost me this friendship. Um, and, you know, this person was passionate about, you know, the social sciences. And I quoted in jest, mostly, um, uh, Sheldon Cooper off the Big Bang Theory, which is in saying something like the social sciences are lo largely hokum. Um, I said that as a joke, kind of, you know, because I thought it was funny, and I think it successfully belides the problems in the, in the social sciences. Um, but there is a degree of truth to that statement, and why I latched on to that, because, you know, if you're talking hard science versus soft science, you know, I think colloquially, colloquially, um, psychology would be termed a soft science because it's not as easy to measure empirical data as it would be with physics or biology or any of the other hard sciences. So I think there is some truth to the statement the social, the social sciences are largely hokum. Um, nevertheless, I find myself mostly dedicated to the social sciences as opposed to the hard sciences. And maybe this is because I just like a challenge, I don't know, but um, that's what I find myself drawn to. So it's kind of a quandary of, you know, a science that is made up of overgeneralizations and has a really hard time quantifying or qualifying anything. Um, so it's a very interesting world to be in. Um, and really, um, I want to kind of move to this concept of suicide and the way we classify it now in uh, cultural norms. We, you know, view it as something that's abnormal, abhorrent, and scary. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think the main reason is that it's hard for the layperson to understand why you might want to take your own life. What's the logic in that? What's the rationality behind that? How is that good thinking? Um, and that's a fair question to ask. Um, having been suicidal before, having uh, made a few half-hearted attempts before, I can tell you that in the eyes of the person that's suicidal, um, it does seem like a very logical, very calculated um, sort of thinking process. Um, it is not something, I think, that's emotional. Um, in an unquiet mind, uh, Jameson describes it as an always an emotional thing. I completely disagree. I think that it can be fueled by emotion, but it can be cold and hard and logical. Um, because you take my situation, for instance, and I'm not saying I'm suicidal at the moment, but if you look at it objectively, um, I am completely dependent on uh, outside forces to maintain my existence. 
I, um, you know, have no real hope for financial gain. I have no real hope for social gain. Um, I am kind of stuck in the situation I'm at, and I'm stuck in the situation of hoping that I can maintain the status quo. Um, that is really my best and uh, most promising uh, hope at the moment. Um, and if you are in that situation, just imagine for a moment that, you know, you were completely reliant on somebody else to exist, that you were, you know, focused entirely on just maintaining the level of existence that you have now instead of, you know, kind of having that American dream sort of thing of things can get better, things can improve. Um, so if you imagine that that is your reality, you can see that, you know, the idea of continuing to exist starts to seem a little fruitless and starts to seem a little um, stupid, um, for lack of a better term. And, you know, that's emotional, that's psychological. There is a lot of underpinnings and reasons why that perspective uh, seems hopeless and fruitless and why there is a logical cold element to, uh, you know, not having hope for the future. And when you have someone that's suicidal like that for many of those reasons, um, I've talked to a few people that have been suicidal and they've, you know, kind of described similar things. When you talk to someone, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, you know, it's really hard to see when you're in the uh, shoes of somebody that's suicidal. When you are suicidal, it's really hard to see that perspective. Um, because your cognition is such that you only see your cold rationality of things will never get better. Um, and to have somebody arguing, but things could get better, um, is a bit like saying the moon is a planet to somebody that, you know, doesn't understand the concept of, uh, celestial bodies, you know, they, somebody in the, say, say early centuries that think, you know, oh, the moon is an object in the sky, to think that the moon is... Well, not a planet, I described that poorly, but the, the moon is a celestial body would be, you know, crazy talk. Um, and that's, that's the perception. Uh, if you're suicidal and somebody tells you that, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, you're going, but, but the moon's a figure in the sky. It's not an actual round thing that exists within the plane of space. What are you talking about? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. And I'm not saying that it's it can't be true, you know, that you can't look at somebody in my situation and objectively say, you know, well, maybe they have hope for improvement. You know, maybe they'll find a way to make life better. But when you're in that mental state of suicidism, um, you know, it's you can't see that picture. Um... And, you know, again, that becomes a matter of truth. The truth for the suicidal person is life can't get better. And, you know, as an external person, um, you know, all you can really say is, well, life could get better. Um, but that's your 
perception. That's your truth. And, you know, the stark difference between the two realities is mind-boggling. Um, and how do you convey to somebody that there may be hope when all they can see is a lack of hope? Um, I don't have the answer to that. Um, and, you know, in, with my interest in uh, psychology and abnormal psychology in particular, um, if I keep going down this interest, if I keep, uh, you know, going in this direction, I'm going to be in a position at some point to where I have to say to a suicidal person, well, you know, there's hope. You know, you don't know that your problem can't be solved. Give it a chance. You know, don't take your life, basically. Um, and, you know, having been suicidal before, it's, it's hard to sell that. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I certainly wouldn't tell somebody otherwise. You know, I want to give them hope. I want to give them a reason to live. Mostly because I have, you know, an internal curiosity and I want to understand their psychology and I want to, I want to understand their story. And if they kill themselves, then I can't do that. Um, that's very selfish, but um, that's kind of my morbid curiosity around the topic. Um, but I think there are a lot of conditions out there where suicide could be seen as a logical option. Um, and I think it's interesting that as a culture and as a society that we think that's unacceptable. And I don't know why we think that's unac unacceptable. Um, I certainly, you know, I don't, I don't want to see anybody kill themselves. Um, I would not encourage that again, but um, I do, don't understand why we're so against that. I think that's an interesting cultural norm. Um, and, you know, again, I don't understand it. And I think it varies from culture to culture, too. I think there are some Eastern cultures where if your honor is compromised, then it's perfectly socially acceptable to kill yourself. Again, not saying that's the right thing to do or anything in that regard, but um, I do think it's interesting, and I don't understand it, and I wish I could understand it. But, you know, um, where I'm at now is, you know, I think um, suicide is a scary thing. It's something I think that should be prevented, mostly because... I think that we have the opportunity to really thoroughly examine people um, and uh, try and help them lead better lives. Um, the, the thing about death uh, is that we all fear and that it's uncertain. And, you know, I was talking before about things that we can't objectively measure or quantify or qualify. You know, all we can really say about death is it's a state in which life ceases to ex ceases to exist. We can't say anything definitively beyond that. Um, you know, we can kind of get to the edge of it and say that, you know, what people describe as out-of-body experiences, well, that's just the brain freaking out as it dies. Um, and that's what I happen to believe because I'm more of an empir empir empirical mind than a uh, spiritual mind, certainly. But... Um, you know, the thing is, we, we can't explain death, we can't, can't understand death, that is the limits of human knowledge and human understanding, and that is where religion, which tries to get at the qualitative and quantitative nature of, of 
existence beyond these, this life that we have uh, comes in. And again, you know, you run into this quandary between a scientific mind and an emotional mind, two relative truths that just can't get along well together. Um, I know there are scientists out there that are very devout in their religious beliefs and still, um, you know, take stock in science and how they can have those two truths within their head at the same time, I don't know. I don't understand it. Um, it seems to me to be two completely different, incompatible ideas. Um, and really, um, it is interesting if you're talking about just watching life go by and watching uh, the world dynamics and examining them and writing the story of the world. Um, it is interesting how people come up to unsolvable problems, uh, huge gaps between relative truths and, you know, gaps that they can't surmount and they tend to pick one truth over the other and they just run with it, you know. Um, I have uh, somebody that I knew that was schizophrenic and their delusions were religious in nature, uh, which is pr pretty typical. Um, and they couldn't be logically convinced that their delusions weren't real. They believed everything, you know, as much as a person can believe them. Um, and again, me being a man of science and me being a man of objective truth and, you know, trying to generalize and trying to understand the nature of the universe empirically, I cannot understand religious thinking. I just, my brain can't do it. Um, so to run into somebody that is so entrenched in their religious beliefs that they can't even entertain the idea of science uh, just boggles my mind. And then again, that again is a case of two drastically different truths that cannot be compromised, that cannot live within the same vicinity together. Um, and ultimately, in that case, you know, it ended up being that I terminated my relationship with this person just for a number of reasons, but mainly because I couldn't abide by their different views as much as I try and be tolerant and accepting and open to different views and different interpretations, their views were so different from my views and they, their views were so incompatible with mine that I just said, well, no, I can't handle you. You make my brain explode. I'm sorry. Um, I, can't, I can't deal with you. Um, and, you know, that is an unfortunate circumstance because I think this was an interesting person. Uh, they had an interesting disorder. I would have liked to hear more of their story. Um, the fact that I couldn't deal with it bums me out. But, um, you know, it is, we're, we're so committed to our truths and so committed to our perceptions. Um, and we get to a state, um, I think this is particularly demonstrable by the current political climate in the United States, we get to a state where we're so entrenched to our truths that we can't even begin to understand somebody that comes at it from a different vantage point. And, you know, I'm not saying that there is logic or rationality or any goodness to the opinions of, say, a Nazi, but um, we ought to be able to at least approach an understanding of how they got to that thinking 
and why they're thinking the way they're thinking. Um, and, you know, ideally you should be able to say, okay, I see that you're thinking this way. You know, I see that you think that Nazism is the truth. Or going back to our previous example, I see that you feel that suicidal suicide is the logical, rational option. Let me present an alternative and let me convince you otherwise. We sh I, seems to me like we should have the capability to induce a different truth and a different reality um, and expose the person to that reality and help them make a decision otherwise. But that's also a very intrusive thing to do. What, who are you to impose one truth over another? I don't know. These are very complicated issues. Um, and again, you know, I, I, as somebody that has experienced mental illness, as somebody that has survived with mental illness for a long, long time, um, I don't think that suicide is the right option. I am interested in preventing suicide at all costs. Um, but I do think that you have to be very careful with how you listen to and perceive and understand people that are suicidal because they have a, a relevant and important truth to them that they are holding. Um, and you can't hope to convince them of another truth without truly understanding what truth they are in currently embracing. Um, and, you know, hopefully, again, you can convince them that, you know, there is hope, that, that hope it can be a truth to them. Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine that there are certain battles that you can't win. And I would imagine that there are some times when it's not appropriate to try and have that battle. Um, that is a larger discussion that we as a community need to have. Um, and I don't know what the answer is there either. So, um, my answer seems to be there's not a lot of answers. Um, I do have a couple of book recommendations. I mentioned Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, worth reading. Um, On the Road, Jack Kerouac is worth reading. Um, and there is this journal of a Latin American um, anarchist that I was reading about and uh, I'll see if I can do more research that on that and talk a little bit about that in the next podcast. Uh, till then, if you are feeling suicidal, call and get help. Uh, expose to yourself to a different idea. Listen to what they have to say. Um, having, you know, gotten having had my suicidal thoughts intervened before, um, I can tell you that it's not, um, you know, it feels like a very, um, belittling experience. It feels like people don't understand you and don't get you. And I think that that is a problem. I think if you have people that were suicidal manning, uh, some of these helplines, um, I think you're probably going to get better results. But if you are suicidal, if you are thinking about suicide, uh, I encourage you to get help because um, I do think there's a lot of truth to having hope. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, embrace the American dream because um, the American dream is called the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. But um, maybe, you know, open yourself, expose yourself to the idea that your situation can change because if you do t decide to take your own life then you'll never know um, and you know 
I, I personally, I can't stand not knowing the end results of something. I always want to know. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a healthy curiosity that suicidal people don't have. I'm not sure. But um, if you want the truth, you have to keep reading the book. Um, and if you put the book down, you can't figure out the truth, now can you? Um, that's my best argument. It's a crappy argument. Um, but like I said, if you're suicidal, get help. Um, in the meantime, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, obviously, um, I'm producing a lot more episodes this season than is normal. Um, I'm going to keep plugging them away and thinking of them and producing them uh, as I get the inspiration to do so. Because why not? Provided I have the money to do so, why not? Um, so until next time, stay safe, stay sane. Happy railroading. Happy landings. Bye.